Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and tight. you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Well, looky here. Chuck Barrett's walked in. He's got a scarf on. got a toboggan on. You look like you've been out there uh, chipping the ice off of uh, off your windshield this morning. Man, it's crazy out there. I mean, it really is. Northwest Arkansas, everything's covered in ice pretty much in northwest Arkansas right now. And, um, you know, on days like this, you get up a little bit earlier. I heard you talking about that, Tommy, with Laura, and I know that yeah. everybody does that today. I got... I started getting texts from people about 4.45 this morning, and I know they don't get up at 4.45 yeah, normally. You know, they, So it's uh, be, uh, you know, I'd be interested, too. I, I know there are some people that have to be out uh, this, this, this morning. If, if you're out, call us or shoot us a text. Give us an idea what it's like where you are, and I wonder how fast people are able to drive, because that's what gets you. I mean, that's what gets you. you. You're going about 10 miles, you know, 10 miles faster than you need to. Well, and um, that's what gets you. At least that's what gets me sometimes. So I'm coming up the state highway this morning, headed to the studio, and I'm doing about 38, 40 miles an hour, un, you know, about the speed limit. Roads seem okay. And here comes one of these jokers. I'm like, all right, here comes this guy doing 50, 60 by, you know, flying by me. Is the sheriff. Oh. <laughs> I guess he was headed somewhere. But uh, Hey, let me mention, too, it looks like um, – I don't know. I love the iDrive Arkansas app. Yeah, we were they, looking uh, at it. They, 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 they really keep it updated. It looks like there's a wreck around the tunnel right now. But the majority of the accidents have come around that bridge in Fort Smith. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you can just look at everything right now and see where the accidents are. It looks like that, that of all our listening area right now. Uh, that's that's the spot where there are the most accidents. But uh, it does look like there's one up around the tunnel right now. I've been texting with my oldest daughter. She she lives in Crawford County but works at Baptist Health on Towson. And she uh, I was a little worried, worried about her getting across the bridge. She made it across the Midland Bridge, and she's at work safe. So uh, I know that at least she got across the bridge. I assume others are finding passage there because at one point early this morning when my wife was looking at the head, the bridge just basically shut down yeah. on 540. It looks like from what I see, east of Alma on I-40, you're going to be okay right now. Now, south on 71 from Fort Smith, that's going to be difficult. 49's not terrible right now, but they do have that wreck around the, the uh, tunnel. And then as you get on into Fayetteville, from what I understand, um, you know, once you, once you move between West Fork and Greenland and get on up 49 right there, it sounds like that's where it's getting really bad. Yeah. A lot of schools closed. I'm sure, you know, we, we communicate different with the, the schools already texting out alerts, so we won't go through a long list. But no. seems like from south of Fort Smith to the state line north, uh, Benton, Washington, Crawford, Sebastian counties, a lot of those school districts have already moved to um, 
you know, AMI, you know, learn, you know, get on the computer from home or just called it a day already. I can tell you the big four up here closed and everybody mm-hmm. else is too. I think Fayetteville may be doing AMI, but you don't have to get them to go to the schoolhouse is what it boils down to today. Yeah. We got a few texts, Chuck. I know you were asking for those this morning. And again, our number 877-377-6963 up in kind of north central Arkansas. Marshall, the roads are good but wet. Uh, you're talking about the Midland Bridge, Tommy, that Taylor was driving on earlier. Yep. It's icy. So if you're going to do that, be careful. Uh, Rogers Road here in Fort Smith is uh, icy as well. Almana, Rogers Avenue. Yeah. Almana Ozark is uh, all good on the interstate. So if you want to keep texting those in this morning yeah. again, feel free to do that. Sounds like if you're heading west, if you're heading up to Fayetteville today, if you're listening around Ozark or Clarksville and you're heading toward Fort Smith, about the time you you uh, you get on that bypass at Fort Smith, it's going to start getting bad. And as you head north from Alma, I mean, you've done it before. You know how it's going to get. You're heading up the mountain. It's going to get worse as you go. Yeah. So I want to get to the game Saturday, but how would this maybe affect the game for tomorrow with A&M? Because generally the road team travels in the day before. I assume they would land at XNA. I, I don't, you know, will they have any trouble getting in, flying in, to Northwest Arkansas today. That's yeah, a, that's a question I mean, on my mind. I don't I don't I don't know, and um, that's that's a good question. And I know it's early in the day, and you know, but it doesn't sound like it's going to warm up a lot. I know that the uh, the highway people, the the county people, the state people, everybody's going to be out working today. Um, you know, normally on a normal day, they would fly into Drake Field. And you would fly in, and when the game's over, you'd bus right down there and fly right out. You always have the option to fly into XNA. And on a day like this, that probably would be the option, I would guess. But I, I just don't know. Um, I, don't know if the, you know, I don't know if they'd have to, if the conference would require them to fly in. Ga- I, I just don't know at this point. But generally speaking, um, you know, like, for example, when all this hit last week, LSU was already here. So, you know, we're going to play. Yeah. And uh, it's just a question of can you get out. So, um, you know, it's a little bit different this time. But we'll just have to see how the day unfolds. And ice, much different than snow. Absolutely. When it, when it comes yeah. to flying, particularly with uh, with air travel. But, the you know, the, the other thing is it's a Tuesday game. You know, the conference routinely plays Wednesday. And I don't, you know, the weather forecast doesn't look a whole lot better yeah. for the first three or four days of the week. but. You know, it would be reasonable to think you could move the game from Tuesday to Wednesday night. That may mess up the TV plans, but, you know, certainly wouldn't get it you out of your normal routine of playing either Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but, yeah, yeah, you could, uh, you could, you know, you've certainly got that extra day, I right. guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, logistically, is that difficult for the university to do? You're talking about kind of the flying aspect and getting A&M here. Is that hard to have everyone move from a from a state, a, um, excuse me, a like the, the people that work and the food mm-hmm. and uh, the mm-hmm. security? I mean, how, mm-hmm. di- how difficult is that they, to just basically tell them, hey, we got to move this back a day? Well, uh, well you, you know, the university's closed today, and I don't know what the situation's going to be tomorrow, but when you travel, you know, really the only time you interact with the school that you're going to uh, before the game is you generally go to the arena and somebody's there to let you in like for example if they get in today my guess would be they'd go to the arena and shoot a little bit tonight then they'd come back tomorrow and they'd have some sort of game day practice for an hour hour and a half something like that that's how most schools do it that's how arkansas does it um so but but other than that 
you know, you're kind of on your own. I, I mean, uh, you arrange your travel. Schools arrange their own travel. Everything from, you know, how they're going to get there when they arrive to where they're going to stay to how they're going to eat and all that stuff. A lot of them eat in hotels now. You don't stay in a hotel unless they can serve you food, unless they've got the ability to, to uh, serve a big meal to a big group. That's why you stay in uh, some of the bigger hotels when you travel. So um, I, I'm sure A&M's, you know, I, I'm sure they're director of basketball operations right now. <laughs> <clears throat> it's 640 in the morning there, too. And I promise you already, he's uh, he's up and at him, and his head's probably already pounding. All right, so that's the story we'll keep an eye on as the day goes on. Let's backtrack to Saturday. Both you guys were in Waco. Chuck, I'll start with you. What what'd your eyes see? What? What would you take away from Arkansas's three-point loss at Baylor? Man, I'll tell you, they uh, they played their butt off, and so did Baylor. I mean, it was a hotly contested game. Uh, you know, you got to the end, and it seemed like everything, you know, every movement mattered. Baylor's good. I thought Arkansas went down there and, uh, you know, played the brakes off the 17th-ranked team who'd won five in a row in a place where – it was not what I would call a, you know, a hostile environment per se, but it was a road crowd. The arena was full. It, it was not a, it wasn't a nasty crowd like you have at some places, but um, it was definitely a road atmosphere for sure. And uh, look, uh, you know, you just look at the numbers after the game. I mean, um, Baylor made 21 free throws. Arkansas made six. Baylor shot 24. Arkansas shot 11. That happens a lot on the road. I mean, that happens on the road. That's Lots of games are like that. And you look at every statistical category, Arkansas won the game. You yeah. know? Um, you know, you're minus a few in turnovers and second-chance points, but when you shoot 51% and they shoot 34%, most times you overcome things like that. Yeah, hey, identical in rebounds. They did have yeah. five more offensive rebounds than you did. I was impressed with how many Arkansas fans were there, Chuck. You probably yeah. had that. We were at George's before the game, and I'm not kidding. There were 100-plus Arkansas fans that walked through the doors while we were there, and I'm thinking, man, there's going to be a good crowd today. When Arkansas went on a run a time or two in that ball game, that place got pretty loud with Arkansas fans. I'd say there's probably 1,000 fans there. We're red. You know, we're red. We, we mentioned, um, I mentioned on the pregame show on the broadcast that with the exception of the two Baylor student sections, you could see red in every section. Mm-hmm. Now, it was only in a section or two that were our sections where, you know, it was dominant. But in every section of the arena, you could see the red. And, I mean, it wasn't generally just one or two people. Now, again, there are more Baylor people than Arkansas by a long shot. But, yeah, I mean, and um, there were people, I talked to a lot of people that are Razorback fans that live in Dallas. They're, you know, alums, and they drove over for the game. And so um, I knew there'd be some there. I, I also figured Baylor would have the have the bulk of the tickets, and they did. But you know, it was a good game. Arkansas lost. And you got to get back to business this week. I mean, you got to get back to business this week. Now, y'all tell me, I was reading where, you know, all the all the seats above row seventeen or eighteen or whatever were general admission, it's and below that was. How in the world does that happen at a place that just won the national championship? Well, here's 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 the that thing you have to remember. To here's the thing you have to remember. They don't have a huge enrollment, mm-hmm. and it's not like you know Waco's not a major metropolitan area. There are lots bigger places in Texas than Waco, 
you know, they're building a new arena, mm-hmm. and it looks really cool. They've, it's got that field house look. But they're actually bringing their seating from 10,200 to about 7,000. Now, the thing about the Farrell Center, it was built, you know, it was built 40 years ago. So, you know, you don't have luxury suites. Nobody knew what those were back in the 80s when they built it. And as you look around that, that, that building, there's just no place to do it. So they're, they're, they're actually downsizing in terms of seats. But, again, this is not a major metropolitan area. And I know Dallas is about an hour, hour and 40 minutes away. But if you've ever lived in Dallas or spent much time in Dallas, getting out of Dallas is not easy. And so, you know, you play a night game in Waco and you live in Dallas, you're not going. Because you've got to deal with the Dallas traffic. And so they don't draw as well as you might think. But it's not because the people there aren't enthusiastic. There's just not enough of them. Their football stadium all holds what? about 46,000. Yeah. It's McLean. They downsize, and I'm forgetting the name of their old stadium, but they downsize from their football to the, right. the new one as well. It's odd to me that you win a national title in such recent times and – no, you're right. Tickets were that readily available to Razorback fans. If that, if the shoe was on the other foot, there would have been a hundred Baylor fans in Bud yeah, Walton Arena. But, but, but Arkansas is our only team, and you think about all those people that live in Texas and all those schools down there, and it's a different deal. I, I mean, basketball is a different deal. We, we we take for granted the one team state thing and what it means to attendance and. Um, you know, Baylor's always been like this, but I, you know, when you go around their campus, their facilities, their football stadium, I mean, it is really nice, but it's small. It's small. I mean, the first thing you notice is it's small, but it is really nice. And so, um, they have maximized the luxury seating angle down there in football. And that's what they're doing in basketball. For those that have been to Knoxville, they have a similar setup on the Brazos where people sailgate and they, like, for football games and stuff, it's really unique, kind of there, and that's where the basketball, the new basketball arena is going. Everything's going on the Brazos River there. Everything's on the Brazos River. So it's, uh, um, it's, a, it's a nice setting. It's a pretty campus, and I wish we'd won. 25 points from Ricky Council, 10 of 17 from the floor, made three of his three attempts at the uh, free throw line. Uh, I don't think it took you long to figure out who the star of the game was after that one closed the other night. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, and, you know, he made some shots in the first half, when, you know, Baylor really got off to a better start than Arkansas did. And Council made a couple of buckets that they really needed. Now, they really needed them at that point. And then, you know, he, he helped key that run. And that was that was the best part of the game from a Razorback perspective. But good, man. And he had that look in his eye, and he was starting to get rolling a little bit, had some man ones, and well, was getting to the rim as well. Tommy, you mentioned the two threes he well, had earlier. They need more of that Ricky Council. And SEC play down the stretch. I made a note. He made a, a bucket at the beginning of the second half with three seconds on the shot clock that put Arkansas up eight at that point. And and you thought, well, maybe this this just this rhythm and this run's going to continue. And it came to a halt. But but Council uh, had a huge shot there. Was the time was expiring on the shot clock yeah. to begin the second half. I mean, he he, he played well. I, I didn't think Arkansas played a bad game. I, I just thought Baylor won a really close, hard fought game. And, um, you know, standing on its own merits, you know, without all the things we've seen leading up to this, um, you know, we would have thought, hey, that's a heck of a game, and we just got beat. Um, you know, and I know people get tired of hearing it, but I sure would like to see this team play with all the bullets in their gun. Um, you know, that's the thing that, 
you know, we're not going to see. And um, it's hard to turn the page from that, I admit. But it's, uh, I think that in every big game they play. Um, what would it be like if, you know, we had all our arsenal right now? But, you know, it's not going to work out that way. But, you know, Baylor's good. But Arkansas is good, too. And got to get back to business this week. This is, uh, this, is, this is a really important week because you got a chance to get to 500 in conference play if you can win them both. Hey, I know today may not be the day that you hop in the car and go out and go house hunting, but that day will be here, and it'll probably be here before the week's over. If you're thinking about buying or selling, or if you're in the market to buy or sell a home, let me, rec- let me recommend my friends at Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. And I can recommend it because I partnered with them. It's not just something that I talk about. I partnered with them to sell a home, and I partnered with them to buy a home. And, you know, we all think we know everything about everything sometimes. But I can tell you, when it comes to the real estate market, you need a pro on your side. You need someone that knows more than you do. With a Weikert agent, you always get the best trained in the business. You get somebody that understands the market. That makes him a better negotiator. Whether you're a buyer or seller, that's important. But most importantly, it gets you from contract to close. It gets you the deal that you want. And that's what they do at Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. They've got an office in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale. They're in Bentonville. They're in Fort Smith. <clears throat> Pardon me. They've recently opened an office in Branson, Missouri. And you can log on to WeikerGriffin.com. Let's take some calls, starting with Charlie, who's in Camden. Charlie, go ahead, man. I know you got some thoughts on that game. Hey, good morning, good morning guys. Yeah, I mean... Chuck, I'm with you, man. Like, it's kind of like the Missouri game. I thought they played really well and uh, gave themselves a chance to win, and it just it just didn't happen. I'll tell you what, I, I can't say enough about – I know Devo had some turnovers and things like that, didn't shoot as well, but for him to completely almost take Hagler or Hagler or whatever his name is out Flagler. of the game early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Flagler. I'm sorry. I apologize. He's one uh, for early. 11 in that game. And yeah, that was I mean, a lot on Devo. And then – and then he switched to uh, the six one kid. Uh, what was his name? Keontae George is probably you're thinking of yeah. prior. It, yeah, he switched to him and, and held him down. Now George, I think, kind of kept it going pretty much all game. But you know, I do want to ask you guys something. I know everybody was on the officials again. I get all that, and we can whatever. But I do want to ask Tommy. You've been in the world, so. Uh, officiating, you know, like players like, and I'm going to take you back. Jay will last year, he had the reputation of always being in position mm-hmm. and being a great charge taker. So he got, and I'm not saying all those calls were right, but most of them were Jordan Walsh right now. He's got, <laughs> we all know he's a violent defender, but I think there's times where he's getting calls for things that I don't even know if he's even like, it's like, he's not even like trying to foul the guy. Now, granted, I know there has been some legit ones, but I know there was one the other day where he was just – guy ran into him and he got called for a foul. So, I, I don't understand. Has he gotten that reputation where people think sometimes maybe it's just a foul and he's just there because the guy falls? It, does that happen, Tommy, where refs, you know, they're they're watching previous films of, uh, of other games and, you know, like it's like that guy develops a reputation – he fouls a lot, so anytime I see a guy fall near him, he, he fouls him. Is that kind of what happens, or what? What is kind of because I think he's gotten some tough breaks. Yeah, I'm just gonna say that. But anyway, that's a it, that's a good question uh, that you asked there. I went back. I charted most of the fouls from the end of the first half and through the second half because I knew it'd come up in conversation uh, 
he had a weird sequence there with his third and fourth foul in the second half that came almost bang bang. And the third one was when he was trying to defend the bucket and he was moving forward with his hips and made contact with um, with the Baylor offensive player. TV angle's not great on that to see it. You really needed a baseline view. That was probably a foul, the way he was moving forward. Then, I mean, immediately inbounds the ball. That foul happened with 15-28. Then with 15-26, he gets called on one that doesn't look to be like a lot of contact. His arm's in one place. TV copy's not great, but didn't care for that one. But you go back to his second foul back in the uh, first half. He had a forearm that created space driving to the rim, and uh, it was a player control foul. That was, to me, a, a clear and obvious foul. So a lot of times Jordan comes in and the fouls he creates are clear and obvious. I thought his fourth foul the other day was not so clear and not as obvious, Chuck. Yeah, I thought that one was questionable. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just, um, <clears throat> I mean, fouls, whether they were legit, whether they weren't. Uh, you look at that personal fouls column by the end of the game, we had two guys out and a couple more with four, and, you know, the highest total they had was three. And, you know, you can always go back and say this was a bad call, that was a bad call, and, and you know, there were some I disagreed with, honestly. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was just, you know, I, I mean, it's simple. I mean, you just look at the stat sheet. Um, anybody can figure this one out. They, uh, they won it at the foul line. What about that jump ball? I've never seen the. I've seen and that was his fifth and final. Yeah, yeah. I mean that sure looked like. Well, because I, I would you would you say that was a situ, was that a situation where you're probably trying to foul to stop the clock? It didn't look. I He's mean, reaching I, in. Now I'm not saying I agree necessarily with the call and, and the way the play played itself out, but you're in a situation where if you're the referee and the game situation dictates, what is the the defense likely to do in that situation. You get, you get whistle happy, you're, but you're almost waiting to well, call what something. What you don't and, want is the contact to go to the next level, and then you've got a then you got a bigger problem. Yeah, I, but but reaching in like that, I mean, you you still have to play defense with your feet and not your hands. And where Jordan had his hands, now there was a separation. They called a cylinder foul, but there was separation there. You could see that. So I mean, that, saying, that's like, one of those fifty fifty deals, but. What's the defense generally trying to do in that situation late in the game? Foul. Foul and stop the clock. And I think that's exactly what was was expected to have ha- have happened on that play. I felt like there were several instances where Keontae George, like that one on Jalen Graham. So Graham's got his right arm out. Keontae grabs Jalen's arm and then shoves it back into his face. So it looked like an offensive foul when it wasn't. He grabbed his arm. There was one where... Mitchell, McCall, I think it was Mikel, was straight up, and he was just doing that. And you always talk about not jumping into the offensive player. He was straight up, and they still called a foul. There were several yeah. times where I felt like, and then Keontae shoved his forearm into Jalen Graham, and they called a foul on Jalen Graham. I mean, there's several, it's the best player on Baylor. It's going to be a lottery pick. And I've always said that I feel like certain players, high school, college, professional, get the benefit of the down certain situation. He got that on Saturday. There were 14 fouls in the second half. I went back and watched every one of them, made some notes. I thought I had questions with four of them. I thought 10 of them were pretty clear and obvious or what I would deem correct calls. And listen, that's going to be that way in about every game, guys. There's going to be four or five calls that you you don't like if you're objective. Now, if you want to get emotional and get, you know, keyboard happy during a game, well, you're going to come away with you know, you think everything's against you, but the reality was, yeah, there's three or four calls that, that I didn't care for, and you probably could have 
seen go a different way. Here's what I wondered about, and this was the call that I had a problem with. All right. I don't know why I teed him up. I've seen Musk do far, far worse. Now, Kip Kissinger, this was a blended crew. We don't see Kip Kissinger. Never. He's the one that called the tee. Why did he tee him up so quick? That was my question. Well, I, I'm not saying that Musk hadn't deserved it. He, he's not gotten some this year that he deserved, frankly. But I don't think he deserved that one. Well, let's go back to that when we got a little more time. All right. Because that was all that was, it was all ushered in by the player control call. You're right. Player control foul that Musk took great exception with. So let's, we'll come back to that here in the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. So Patrick Mahomes played on a high ankle sprain, which typically is about a four to six week recovery time. So our morning rush daily question is, what is the best injured slash sick performance that you've ever watched in sports? Really, the one that we've gone back the most have been Jordan's flu game, Willis Reed, some of the others was a Kellen Winslow 1981 playoff game, Brett Favre, Larry Bird against the Pacers back in the day with a horrible back. Apparently Emmett Smith played with a dislocated shoulder against the Giants. Guys, it's, it's athletes are just different sometimes, and uh, I think we saw another athlete go to incredible links to get a win on on Sunday. I don't remember the year, probably two thousand seven or eight, somewhere there. Tiger Woods had to go to an eighteen hole playoff with Rocco Mediate for the U.S. Open, and he had a torn ACL, had a really tore up knee, and it went to an extra hole. Went nineteen holes. He wins the U.S. Open on a. Horn ACL. I don't know if you remember that, Chuck, but it was a gutsy performance. So that one comes to mind for me because you could see him every shot, grimace in pain, barely getting up and down the slopes on that course. That one always sticks out to me when you talk about, because no one thinks about golf and injuries and battling through. He won the U.S. Open that day on a bad knee on a Monday playoff. I think about Willis Reed. I'm glad somebody else mentioned Willis Reed. I was a little kid. You guys weren't even around then, but... um, Willis Reed in the finals, they didn't know if he was going to play, and he came hobbling out, and the garden just went crazy. And, I mean, hey, this was back when, you know, this was 1970-71, and um, coming back from a, you know, a, a massive knee injury was very uncommon back then. I mean, if you blew out a knee, it was over, and that was a great moment. I remember the Jordan flu game. Um, you know, Michael Jordan was an icon at that moment. So in that moment in time, and so everything he did was magnified. And I remember Tiger too. And yeah, I mean, you, uh, well, you see that competitive spirit in people and you remember that. You, you see these older guys, like you're talking about with Reed's injury, they, it, these old guys have had knee surgery back before arthroscopic. And, oh yeah. Man, it looks like Frankenstein or something. It does. Knee. I mean, it's ugly. It, I mean, you just hurt looking at the scars are like a foot long. You know, well, today they you have watch, them, you can't even find them. 
if you watch the video from that Ugh. game back then, I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, you couldn't play like that now. No. I mean, you couldn't. I, 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 but, but, I mean, the game was slower then, and, and it wasn't as fast, and you were able to pull it off back then. But, I mean, he's literally just dragging his leg from one end of the other, uh, you know, from one end of the floor mm-hmm. to the other. Yeah. Did they even have the shot clock? Was the shot clock in at that point? Yeah, it was 24-second shot clock back It's not like he was guarding some bum either. He's already had to guard Wilt Chamberlain on the other end of the floor. I mean, that was, (laughs) hey, that's back when the Knicks and the Lakers, I mean, you still had the logo playing for the Lakers and Gail Goodrich and, as you mentioned, Wilt Chamberlain and, you know, the Knicks had Frazier and... Earl the Pearl. Well, they didn't have Earl the Pearl then. He played for the Baltimore Bullets then, and then he was traded to New York and um, ended up... You know, becoming one of the icons there, too. But uh, they had some – well, there were some great games back then. Bill Bradley, I think, Dave DeBusher. Dollar Bill, Dave DeBusher, you're yeah. right. Um, guy that had a janky left Dick hand. Barnett yeah, that's what I'm that yep. Dick Barnett played on that team. Dick Barnett played on that team. I mean, uh, you got to – you know, those were the – those those were the years when NBA players had summer jobs. <laughs> they didn't make what they make now. Yeah. Well, it was what Patrick Holmes was able to do on that bad ankle is pretty special um, on Sunday. No doubt. It sure about. was. It sure was. I know Chiefs fans were happy. Hey, did those referees get a game ball? Did those guys get a game ball? <laughs> I don't know if they did or not. We can, did, did you did see they them get a pay, ring? Did you did see they them get a ring? They, they they never get credited for the wins, but always. Uh, that's right. Always in the losses. All right, that's your Red River Dodge. Morning Rush Daily Question, Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at RedRiverDodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Professional people, professional service. Schedule your service appointment today at GoPascal.com. I know Eric Musselman got asked about that block charge in the post game, and he can't really comment on it because it's critical of officials. You get fined, but we can if we want to. Guys, what did y'all make of the, the sequence where Mikel Mitchell got hit with a blocking foul? What did you see? Because That's my whole goal in all of this because you send me these, these, these raging texts during the game about the officials, and I ask you really hard questions like, well, why? And my goal in all of this with you is at the end, you can explain why that was a correct or an incorrect call. So what did you see on the play that led to the technical foul on the block charge play on Mitchell? Oh, Tell Mc- me what your eyes saw. M- Mikel's- Is this a referee's class? What are we doing here? No, he just gets. He just has all these emotional outbursts during the game. It's and a terrible I, 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 Well, we all do. It's a know. terrible call. You act like it's just me. That <laughs> I'm solo. You think Chuck was happy at that call? You think any other fan was happy but at I, that juncture? But we, we also get... <laughs> Upset at calls that are correct. Because it was a BS call. I'm not saying. Would you be happy about a BS call? (laughs) Tell me. Are you kidding me? I'm warning you to tell me why it was a bad call. Mikel was above the restricted area, and now I know the college and NBA levels different Mm -hmm. from a block charge. It's you're going to have to give the what he has to beat. He has to be there before what the airborne. Oh, and an airborne shooter, the only thing a legal defender could do is move backwards. Okay, which he did. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought he was he, he moved up, but I thought he got to his spot. I, I agree. I, I didn't I didn't like the call either. I th- I thought it was a player control foul and it was called a defensive foul. And you know why? I thought he got to his spot. Yeah, yeah. I did too. I agree. I mean I, I, I you know, and, and look, I, I don't uh I don't keep a rule book handy. Maybe I should, but I thought he was stationary. 
I thought he got to his spot. Now, does somebody 100% all the time completely still? That's impossible. But um, he got to his spot before the offensive guy did. He's what you would call firmed up. He, he had gotten there. Yeah, he was enough, outside and kind of the industry term. He had firmed up in his spot. But it is a fraction of a second. We, we agree that it is it's not an egregiously missed call. But I think when you get to look at it several times in slow motion, it's a call that I believe was a player control foul. Yeah. Now, if you'll go back and you'll look at the replay, the lead official's got his eyes where they're supposed to be on the feet of the defender, which was the last thing to get in place, as you'd expect. And I don't know if that's what led to his decision to make it a blocking foul. I didn't care for it. I'm, I'm with you guys. I didn't care for that one either. Five points. I don't know why he got teed up off that either. I mean, it's such well, a close call. Of course you're going to yell on a call like that. Of course you're going to yell. I don't... The, the television... Um, the, it was they right cut, in front of me. Well, they had cut to a replay, and then Musk gets teed up, and we never really saw the outburst. And at that point, all you're seeing is being held back, and boy, let him go, and all the you know takes nine men to hold him back. You but know? that was after the so T. You that would was know more after about the T. Yeah, you would know more about what led to that because <laughs> it wasn't shown on TV. Well, I mean, he, uh, um, I mean, all of a sudden he just teed him up. Now I don't know what he said, but he was his back was to me, but he was not animated when he teed him up. Now he got animated after that. He got real animated after that. But that's not what led, at least, I mean, from what I saw, it was five feet away. Um, I thought he was really quick with the trigger on that technical foul. Five if the point Bet, swing. If the Bet Saracen app had had odds on Musselman getting a technical in this particular game, I'd have laid the house on it. I'd have unwound the rubber band because you had officials in this game that don't work in the SEC as their primary league, and the one that called the technical does not work any SEC games. And... I felt like this was this was inevitable to happen on Saturday. So is that on Eric after a bad call to keep his composure in that? Because I, I, I mean, gotta, I, I understood. I completely. thought he did keep his composure there. There have been lots of times this season where I don't know how in the world he didn't get teed up. I'm going to be honest with you. That was not one of those moments Saturday. That was not one of those moments. I, just, I mean, it's a five-point swing because mm-hmm. Flagler or Cryer knocked down the two free throws. Well, it was going to be a three-point swing either way. It was a two-point swing is really what it was. They got right. five points on that trip. Right. But they were going to get three off the end one anyway. Both and, free throws were made on the on the technical foul. Right. Coach. It, it went to – the score became – it went from 20 to 20 to 25, 20 yeah, all. But it was eight. not a five-point swing. Correct. It was a five-point trip. There's a difference. I, now, I will always maintain – the belief till I get put in the ground in 10 years or 50 years, whatever it is, that the best players in bang bang calls get the benefit of the doubt. Keontae George is going to be a lottery pick. He's Baylor. You can debate. He's Baylor's best player from at least an optics standpoint. And there were several instances in that game where they either could have called a foul on him or in that play, they didn't and they didn't do it. And especially at home, there was one where again, he forearmed Jalen Graham and they called it on Graham the best players in those situations, bang-bang calls, get the benefit of the doubt. You will never, ever be able to convince me otherwise. Foul count in the first half was Baylor had 11, Arkansas had 10, and that includes the technical foul on Musselman. So Baylor had more fouls called in the first half. I know everybody likes to use that metric and the free-throw attempt metric. I look at the free-throw attempts, and we can get into when they happened, and I don't think they were nearly as costly as somewhat to project and looking at the disparity. The 24 wasn't the problem when you look at how many 
Baylor got. It was the fact that Arkansas was only able to get themselves to the line 11 times. That That's the bigger part of the free throw disparity in the game. People are upset about it, and I get it, but Baylor shooting 24 free throws is not egregious, Chuck. 24 is kind of a common number. No, I, I don't, I, I, you know, and when I say that it was very clear that the free throw disparity was the difference in the game. I'm, I'm not saying Arkansas got screwed. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just saying that when you look at the numbers at the end of the game, I mean, everything else favors Arkansas. I, I mean, you, you, know, you know, you were a little bit minus in the second chance points, a little bit minus in points off turnovers, but most of the time when you shoot 51%, the other guys shoot 34, you overcome that pretty easily. Yeah. The number that stood out to me was four made three-point baskets. We've been talking for weeks. I've been making the point that, hey, if this team can continue to make seven or eight threes and not get carried away with attempts, they'll have a good chance to win the ball game in front of them. They made four. They were 4-14, 28% not horrible. But the difference in four, let's just say they traded three more baskets for twos, that's three points right there. They needed to make a few more three-pointers in this game. Well, you can say they needed to, but I don't know that it was an expectation that they would. I mean, I think Arkansas, what we saw last week in terms of the way they shot three-pointers at home, um, you know, there may be games or, you know, there may be games here or there where they shoot the lights out. But, you know, I think that's, that's, that's probably what we're, you know, when they're going well, I think that's what we're going to see. I hesitate to say that's as good as it's going to get because there may be a game or two where it's better. But I think when we look at the team and say, man, they're shooting threes well, um, I do think it's about what we saw last week. But those are home games. And, uh, you know, generally teams don't max out on their three-point capability on the road. I mean, you do that every once in a while, but not that often. So I, I was, I was, uh, yeah, you're right. They needed to shoot more three, or they needed to have more threes, I guess, at the end of the day to, you know, make it a win. But um, I don't know that that's a realistic expectation. I, I, I just think they are what they are right now. I just think that's part of that. When you look over the last six or eight ball games, that's part of the winning formula. They've been a little more consistent. Oh, I don't disagree with that. Making six to eight threes, and they just didn't do that Saturday. Uh, to me, that was part of the, the ingredients that were missing. And we can, speaking of threes, we can talk about that final sequence, final play. So, Musselman said after the game, that's a play design they call dagger. Now, Debo was supposed to hit the first one and miss the second. He missed the first one. Jalen and a Baylor player had a great tip out to Joseph. That's your best, supposed best three-point shooter getting a wide... I mean, no one was within 10 feet of Joseph in that corner three. His only shot of the game. I went back and looked at it. It, It's very difficult to... When you're not playing a lot of minutes, and he played early on in the first half and then just came in at the very end, um, it's very difficult to come in and then hit a shot like that. He is... In five road games, he's made two shots. And he's way more consistent, as all of the young players are at home. But when people are advocating for, oh, you got to play Joseph more, you got to play Joseph more, he just hasn't shown the consistent ability to hit shots on the road relative to at home. Well, you know, just to get that shot, I mean, let's go back and what you just said there at the beginning. He was supposed to make the first shot. He didn't. The most remarkable thing to me in all of that is is that even though he missed the first shot, they ran the play, and they ran it to perfection. But, you know, the odds first off of getting in a spot where you've got to look there, those odds are not good. I mean, to me, you know, that's good coaching. That I mean, and I know the shot didn't go in. But, you know, again, the plan was to make the first one, do that on the second one. You know, he missed the first one. And they still ran the play, and he still got the look. And but those things happen so quickly. And um, um, 
you know, I don't care how good a shooter you are, odds are in that situation you don't make that shot. It had tied the game. I, I won't go as far as saying that could have been a career-defining moment. It would have been a memorable moment if Arkansas went on to win the game. But I do wonder, for, for a freshman, what would that have done if it had went in? And it didn't, to lift his confidence to to – I mean, that had to, to pump him up, blow him up pretty good he, if that would have went in, but it, but it didn't. He plays confident at home. He hasn't on the road. I know he came in against Fandy and hit that and one and then a three, but in the other four games, he just kind of looks timid. And that's, again, expectations, a younger player, but you look at the stats and that bears it out kind of. Well, again, lots. first off, lots of good shooters miss open shots during the flow of the game. Just because you've got a good look doesn't mean that you automatically are going to make the shot. And even the best shooters – even the best shooters in college basketball are going to be well below 50% on that shot in that situation. Hey, one thing I do know, we talked about the weather a little bit earlier today. We're going to keep talking about it. I hope your heater works. I hope everything's in order. I hope, first off, all this ice doesn't wreck everything. Let me talk to you about Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Um, you know, we are in the time of year when we talk about the heating system. We're going to get to the point in the year where we talk about your cooling system. And, you know, the thing I like about Pascal is their plant protection program. And regardless of the season, if you've got what I call preventative maintenance, what they certainly do on a regular basis, which is make certain that everything you've got is working well, you know, when you're in that program, weeks like this don't bother you, you know. The things that you can control, they're going to control for you. Now, these are professional people, and they are the best in the business. They've been doing it for over 50 years. They started in northwest Arkansas, and if you can hear me right now, there's a good chance they've expanded into your area. So keep that in mind as we move through not only the winter, but also as we move on into the summer as well. They're Arkansas-owned. They're Arkansas-operated. Professional people professional service and you can log on to gopascal.com chuck it's 23 degrees here in fayetteville i'm just looking at the forecast uh, for the next couple of days not even going to climb out of the 30s till wednesday yeah it sounds like wednesday's when we get well and pretty good chance of precipitation the rest of today at 80 percent tomorrow at 60 percent um i know you've been keeping an eye on the uh on the app there and in and, and road conditions and wrecks and stuff out there makes me wonder though about tomorrow night's game simply because A&M's got to find a way to get a plane into Fayetteville, and that may be no small challenge in the next 48 hours. Yeah, I guess we're just going to have to see how the day unfolds on that. Uh, you know, I can tell you from experience over the years, I mean, it's uh, it's amazing the weather you can get through to play a ball game. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, I, I wouldn't discount that by any stretch. But um, normally teams do travel the day before. Like if the game was in College Station, Arkansas would travel today. And, you know, you get there and you go to the arena and then you got to practice the next day. And so um, I don't know if the conference would require them to come in on game day. I don't know if they'd push it back to Wednesday. I don't know that it's not all systems go. Um, you know, we'll just have to see how the day unfolds. But normally, you know, A&M would come in today and um, we'll have to see if the weather allows that. And it, it probably—I mean, I don't see see how that's not going to limit the crowd if they do play at six o'clock on Tuesday night. We saw a smaller crowd for that LSU game, but still a vocal crowd. I it think was a great crowd. It, it, it was know, a great crowd. But, but the numbers just aren't going to be the same. It just—it's just not possible to uh, get as many people there. But well, I would imagine they'd have a pretty similar turnout to what they had um, against LSU if, if they do play the A and M game maybe, at schedule. Maybe. Ice is more difficult to travel on than snow. I, I was I was thinking about this Saturday, guys. You know, last week we played in the snow. 
everybody wondered what the crowd, oh, you know, let's, let's move the game up. Uh, you know, nobody's going to come. There were 10,500 people. They scanned 10,500 tickets to get into Bud Walton Arena. We talk about how Baylor had a packed house Saturday. What a home floor atmosphere. How hostile it was. They had 300 people less for that ball game Saturday than we had in the snow last Tuesday night to play LSU. So let's not take, when we talk about smaller crowds, let's not take for granted the fact that hey, a lot of people are going to go watch the Razorbacks play regardless of the weather. Now, again, ice is different than snow, and I don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow night. But, um, you know, again, I mean, a lot of people will kill for 10-5. You know, we talk about how it's a smaller crowd on a snowy night. And that 10,000-plus that you had in Waco, Chuck, 1,000 of those were Arkansas fans. They don't even clear 10,000 with more than Arkansas fans. It was, like, like Chuck mentioned in hour one, you, with the exception of the student section, there was red in every single section mm-hmm. in that arena. And I was pleasantly surprised at how many Arkansas fans made the trip this you year. Know, there, we have such a huge alumni base in Dallas. And um, I talked to a lot of Razorback fans that had driven over from Dallas. A lot of people that, you know, you see once or twice a year at a game. And, um, you know, there were a lot of them there. And, you know, we commented on the air how, you know, again, with the exception of the two student sections, how you could see, I mean, the red was visible, and you didn't have to look. I mean, you didn't have to, like, squint your eyes to try to find, you know, the red shirts. And uh, there were a lot of Razorback fans there. They, they, you know, everybody watched a good game. It was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a fun atmosphere. Fran- I'll give Baylor credit. Fran Fraschillo was very complimentary of how Arkansas played, if you listen to television. But the only bad part, Chuck, and I don't know if someone told you about this. I know you commented on this. So the hand in front of the Yeah, it was the hog the fan, too. Was it a hog fan? Well, I mean, it, when Arkansas went up for three, they were holding up a three. So <laughs> I don't understand how in the year 2023 we, we can't have a TV shot without fans sticking their hands in front of the camera lens. But. Well, that's part of the reason that they're, I guess – building a new facility i mean there are some deficiencies in the Farrell center um you know it's it's been a great home for them i'm not knocking it at all but you know you can tell when you drive up it's 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 time for a new building yeah so uh you know that that's something that you know it doesn't happen they don't have Walton. the mezzanine level right they don't have what we'd call the mezzanine level right. there that allows you to put that camera at the spot you're talking about yeah so uh when you when you're on the kind of the front edge there, you don't of the of the upper deck or like I said the med, you don't have anyone that can possibly even get in front of you. So no. should be interesting. We'll keep you updated. You know, as far as we know, it's six o'clock tomorrow night and uh, big big week for Arkansas. Two wins this week. You're back to five hundred in the league, boys. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know that's the thing that you've got to focus on right now. It'd be nice to you know go back and replay some of that Baylor game, come out of there with a win, but you can't and. I'm going to tell you, Texas A&M, I know they struggled to beat Vanderbilt on Saturday night, but they were coming off their best win of the year. I mean, they went to Auburn, and if you watch that game, and I did that night, from about the 10-minute mark in the first half, A&M was in total control. They were in total control. And so um, Arkansas has got their hands full tomorrow night. All right, should be a lot of fun. We'll have the game for you right whenever they play it. I and mean, we'll assume they're going to play it at 6 o'clock. We'll have it right here for you on ESPN Arkansas. 
Introducing Your Choice Tuesday at Buffalo Wild Wings. Buy one, get one 50% off on our traditional wings on Tuesdays. Then the best thing about Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings is buy one, get one free on our boneless wings. Both offers are now available for dining and carryout. Some exclusions apply. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and in Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. All right, let's hear from Coach Muss after the game. Here is what he had to say about his team playing through injuries. Mikel Mitchell was supposed to be out over a week and a half to two and a half weeks. He misses one game and suits up and gives us great minutes on a bad ankle. Anthony Black is extremely banged up. He continues to suit up and put forth an incredible effort. Ricky Council, obviously, with the minutes he's played, has been banged up. Devo's been bothered by stuff and just really impressed with the guy's effort. So Anthony's doing with the wrist. Then he bangs knees with one of the guys. And something we haven't mentioned that Bill and Truman and Joe and Coat texting about. He got tackled on that one play and they didn't, they didn't call anything. Uh, I and, was okay with that one. But he goes up and it was a weird, it was kind of a weird sequence. Great backdoor cut. Devo finds him, goes up, hits the layup, and then starts going back. And I don't think, I think it was Flagler. I don't think he meant to, but no. he just ran over him. And I don't know how you don't blow the whistle in that situation. It was, it was looking, like I said, the bodies were off balance. They just got. He got tangled up. It was love that he got tangled up with. Um, and then Anthony, as they're going to the ground, just reactionary, kind of grabs a hold of him and pulls him down as well. So, I mean, it, it, that's probably a, a nothing. It, it looked worse than it probably really was. What did you see, Chuck? I'd have to go back and watch it. I mean, it happens real time when I'm doing the game. So, I mean, I, I, don't, uh, I don't have the advantage of replay. I'll have to go back and watch the game again. I haven't done that yet. So they lose by three. The women's team also lost by three last night. Heartbreaker to Ole Miss, 76-73. to six, or 73. So uh, both teams unfortunately fall by three this week. I know that was tough for Mike Neighbors and his team last night. They were up by 19 at halftime. Yeah. I watched a lot of the second half of that. They just couldn't stop them. I mean, Ole Miss got rolling and they just couldn't stop them. I think that's pretty much all the hog news we got. Do you have anything else? For the nope. weekend, Drake Greenlaw is not playing in the Super Bowl. Brandon Allen's not playing in the Super Bowl. I was hoping we, one of those guys, two former FHS guys, would get a chance to, to win a ring, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. Nope. Well, With all this ice, if you need a generator, you might call Mr. Sparky. They can get you hooked up. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 sparky now, I watched some of the other games, but being in Waco, Chuck, kind of like yourself, it was hard to, to get. We watched a little bit pregame at George's, but uh, some weird, weird games in the Big 12 SEC Challenge this weekend. Really, the, the game in Norman was the most startling mm-hmm. and surprising to me is the Oklahoma Sooners thrashed it Alabama. Was, it was worse than this final score. They were down 30 at one point in this game. I, I didn't see that coming at all. No. no one did. You know, I've, I have I said this more than once, you know, earlier in the year. There are times I watch Alabama, and I think they could win the national championship. 
There are other times I watch them, and I think they could go out the first weekend of the tournament. Obviously, this was one of those weekends. I thought they were past that. I mean, I really did. I thought they were past that. But, you know, they they had to really come back to beat Mississippi State at home the other night. And, um, you know, I know Oates was really on them after that game. And I, I thought that was bad for Oklahoma. I thought Alabama had come to town spitting fire, but they didn't. And, you know, Oklahoma just, I mean, they just ran them out of the building. West Virginia, Huggy Bear gets a win against a ranked Auburn Tigers team. West Virginia is not a great ball club this year. I think they only have one conference win, but they Mortatown's a tough place to play, and Bruce Pearl and company found out about that on Saturday. Well, I just think it's one of those strange places, too. I remember when we went to Iowa State and this thing years ago. I mean, it was like, where are we? And, uh, you know, you're, you're just so out of your element. And uh, I'm not surprised by that. I, I think Auburn's really good at home, and they're, they're not bad on the road in the SEC. I just think that you know, that's one of the things that makes this challenge interesting is that, you know, I mean, it seems like Kentucky plays Kansas every year, and lately it's been, you know, the Rick Barnes Bowl in the, in the other marquee game. But, you know, some of these matchups, you do go to places you've not been before. Arkansas did, and Auburn did. And it's tough to go win at places like that. Texas Tech goes to LSU and gets a win for the Red Raiders. You've got Iowa State who traveled up to travel, excuse me, not up down to Missouri and they lose seventy eight to sixty one. Uh, Mississippi. I thought State, that was the win of the day for the league though. Was Missouri beating Iowa State? It's a good Mississippi win. State beating TCU was a was a yeah, surprise. That's another too. good one too. And Starkville yeah. as well. Uh, the other two SEC only games: Georgia beat South Carolina, and then you also Chuck you referenced A and M getting a win against Vanderbilt, which was not an easy game. Uh, the Rick Barnes Bowl. 82 to 71 the final Tennessee was beating them I think by 20 points at one point though Tennessee played well Tennessee played really really well and you'll probably hear the conversation this week shift from Alabama to Tennessee Mm -hmm. and uh you know is is Tennessee the best team in the league and maybe they are there's an ebb and a flow to it we I mean we got a whole month before we get to March Kansas had never lost four straight under Bill Self. Still haven't as they go to Lexington and beat a hot Kentucky team, seventy-seven to sixty-eight. I know. I think Jalen Wilson had a pretty good game, and uh, that was really the marquee game of the day. And uh, for Bill Self and the Jayhawks, that much needed win against Cal and company. Yeah, look, Kentucky fans are mad again. <laughs> looking at uh, just the Tuesday Wednesday schedule, nothing that's just. Uh, I'll be honest. The Arkansas A and M game from an intrigue standpoint. Probably as good as there is on the schedule this week. Alabama plays Vanderbilt tomorrow night. Ole Miss and Kentucky. I mean, there's just nothing. Tennessee plays Florida. Auburn plays Georgia. LSU, Missouri. I mean, there's just nothing in this middle-of-the-week stretch that's uh, just overwhelming when you just look at the games on paper. Well, we tend to focus on our team, and that's natural. But, you know, A&M 7-1 in the league, and they're looking at – you know, this is a game. Gosh, if they could come to Fayetteville. A&M doesn't win in Fayetteville very often. But I'm sure they're thinking, man, if we can go to Fayetteville and get a win right there, I mean, you know, we're 8-1. and one. Alabama's showing some, you know, they're showing some chinks in the armor. Um, I'm sure A&M's viewing this ball game as a game where they can uh, they can cement themselves as a legit contender. I mean, logic would tell me if I'm A&M, I'm going to do all I can to get in here and play this while the weather's bad. Maybe the fans stay away. Maybe I feel like I'm getting a little bit of an edge by not having to play in front of a full Bud Walton arena if I can get in here while the weather's bad and get this thing done. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe. They can't control that, though. Do the rankings come out yesterday or today for basketball? Today, because today. they play games on okay. Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised if, AP, if A&M found itself in the top 25. We'll have to wait and see on that. But uh, hopefully they can get here. That's kind of the question we've been asking ourselves this morning. 
At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Guys, I love the Razorbacks, especially having to fight through so many on-ball screens. You've got three really capable guards that can shoot the basketball. Defensively, that's probably one of the better games they played all year. I thought they played a hard-nosed game. You know, they were, uh, I mean, they held a team that had just, you know, done a lot of what they wanted to do offensively earlier in the week against Kansas. I mean, they held them to 67, and I, I didn't think the defense was the problem. Here was Muss on his team's effort earlier this weekend should our fan base like not winning games absolutely no but i do feel that the respect for how hard an undermanned team is playing a team that's banged up continues to fight and scrap and i'm really proud of how hard our team has played especially of late there's there's no team that can play harder than what we played tonight that loss drops him to 0 and 5 on the road this season i know four of those come in conference play but in those games as of late, they've definitely seemed to put more effort and are playing more as a cohesive team. You can hear the frustration in his voice. I mean, it's it's got to be frustrating when you feel like you're doing all you can do, playing as hard as you can play. You're just limited like, you know, half a hand tied behind your back. You don't want to make excuses. But, Chuck, I just hear frustration when Eric Musselman talks there. No doubt about it. I mean, he's frustrated. And how could you not be? I mean, how could you not be when you think about, you know, what's uh, what's not there? And, you know, he's obviously very proud of the guys that are playing through some injuries right now. And, um, you know, obviously if Arkansas had Nick Smith on the floor right now, they'd be a different team. And um, I do think there's some – I think there's legitimate frustration about that, yes. They get A&M tomorrow night. And I know we were contemplating whether the Aggies were going to be able to fly in today, and it's because of the weather. We've got – I'm looking on the iDrive Arkansas app. We've mentioned several wrecks already this morning, and uh, I just wonder if the Aggies are going to be able to get here with what's going on, not just in northwest Arkansas, but all over the state. I have to see what the know. weather does. You know, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's uh, – they do a lot of, you know, they can do a lot of good stuff at that airport at XNA. And normally a team would fly into Drake. I don't know if they'd be able to do that. I was just kind of looking at the map like you are. Hey, you know, we've talked a lot about Northwest Arkansas and Fort Smith. I know we've got a lot of people that listen in North Central Arkansas. It looks like, you know, on Highway 65 between, I guess, Clinton and Greenbrier, it's starting to get bad. Um, if you're on uh, 7... Looks like all the way through Newton County, it's bad. <laughs> if you're on the pig trail, um, 
from the uh, Hunts, uh, I guess the Madison County line, it's bad. But, you know, you get down around Ozark, Clarksville, looks like it's okay. But uh, a couple of wrecks still on 49. That's 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 where it's going to get bad when you go through the tunnel head north. South of Jasper's not the place to, to run off no, the road. No, that's that's. Uh, but, you know, hey, some people got to get out and go. That's just the reality. But uh, those are not the worst places right now, but it doesn't look like they're doing real well. Yep. I mean, my dad always said you found out on days like today who was on salary and who got paid by the hour. <laughs> that's, <what> dad, <laughs> that's funny. The people that got paid by the hour always showed up, and the, the ones on salary couldn't get down their driveway. Let me ask you all this. When stuff like this happens, are you all Apple Maps, Google Maps, or Waze guys? What do you get on I when do. I drive Arkansas out. I, I I think it's if, if if you're traveling in our state, even if it's a normal day, I mean you find out where the wrecks are, you find out where the construction is. I mean it, it you know, we tend to gripe sometimes about how, you know, we don't always have the information at our disposal from, from the state, but in this case, man, I mean I, I don't know how you can go wrong with this thing. I don't want to wait ways it updates you with the wrecks like you're saying chuck and also it's got uh the cops where the cops are as well so you know where you can speed and you know where you can't and that's the uh all that stuff has to be reported though you know all that stuff's got to be reported i think by somebody Mm -hmm. but it is uh you know today's one of those days where i know that um if you've got to be out and about or if you've got kids or whatever i mean weather's uh Weather's a big deal today. One other update, and I don't think we mentioned the bridge in Barling that crosses over to Crawford County, back forth, Lock and Dam 13. It's um, it's ice covered right now. I think they've had a wreck or two there. So if you're going 59 south out of Barling towards Crawford County or through the bottoms towards the Barling area, that, that bridge uh, may be a problem right now. And you said the fort smith school district disc or the fort smith they went to virtual learning today all northwest arkansas and i'm assuming north central arkansas harrison mountain home many of them i hadn't seen anything uh from the boone baxter marion county area but most school districts in benton washington crawford sebastian counties and south have went to virtual learning today see i always thought ice days were bum bummers because the snow you get snowballs snowmen fights all that stuff but with ice it's I mean, oh, ice is a whole different ball game. Hey, let me mention, too, we were talking earlier about there's a wreck down around Y-City. For most of the morning, a lot of the bad stuff stopped at Mena. I'm looking now all the way down to, uh, I'm, I think that's the Sevier County line uh, down in that area. All the way to uh, from Mena to DeQueen, it looks like it's getting bad. Jeez, Elise. Now, I'm assuming, Chuck, I, as someone that just started looking at this app this morning, the red is the worst, right? Or is it purple? Well, purple tends to be the snow. Red is uh, ice patches. They've got a key there at the top right where you can go okay. to, and it kind of uh, it'll update you on what's what there, you know. But it's uh, you know when you look at the colors right now, and it's to be expected. I mean, it's 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 in the northwest corner primarily, but got a little bit in north central Arkansas, and it, uh, just just all the way down the western border right now to DeQueen. It looks like it's uh, starting to get bad. Got a text that Yellville is out of yeah, school today. I'm sure of that. Is, is, is Kyle Parkinson from Yellville or Flippin? I always forget. I know it's well, one of them. It's the Twin Cities. Yeah, it's one of the. They're, <laughs> they're up there. I, can, I yeah. can't remember one, but uh, we, uh, team camp, we played Flippin in Yellville back in the day at Harding. I remember that was. He a, might be from Summit, you know. It was a lot of uh, a lot of fun. We'll keep updating you throughout the morning on this weather, but let's jump back into Razorback basketball for a sec. What else, guys? What else should we take away from that three-point loss to a ranked Baylor? And by the way, a team that 
just won their sixth straight game. I mean, this Baylor team is red hot right now. So for you to go in there, Jim, them shoot their worst percentage I think they have all season, I, it's it's hard because you should have could have won. But like, there's a lot of good things you can take away out of that. So if I told you Baylor was going to be in the Elite Eight again or the second weekend, would anyone push back from that? And say you're crazy. Certainly could be. Certainly could. Be. Arkansas went toe to toe in their building, not neutral site, with a team that we all agree is is maybe even Final Four worthy, but certainly second weekend worthy. And Arkansas goes to toe to toe on their home court. I think there there's a lot to take away from that. Maybe in a neutral site, you come out the winner. I don't know. But the point is, if you've written Arkansas off, this isn't a team that can get to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. Bump the brakes a little bit. I think as far as their ability to play and get up for a game, they, they showed it Saturday they can go toe-to-toe with the best. They've got a lot of grit and they've got a lot of fight. And when you're down some guys, that's what you have to have. I mean, that's you know you don't have a chance without it. And, you know, I, I wondered if they would develop that, quite honestly. But I think they have. And I think it's going to serve them well. I don't think they're going to go winless on the road. And, um, you know, I think they're going to win the vast majority of the games they've got left at home. And so, you know, this is still a good team. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we were all expecting, I think, instead of them, uh, you know, we we thought we'd be talking about a 20-win team right now. I know people thought about that. I mean, 20 wins today. I don't mean at the end of the year. But I think people were thinking right now they might be a 20-win team. It's not worked out that way. But, you know, if – Smith comes back at some point. Obviously, that's a big, big boost. If he doesn't, I still think they're displaying the type personality that you have to have to win some games when you get into a tournament situation. These are going to be on neutral floors. Generally speaking, you look at NCAA tournament games, you don't have a team shoot 51%. Um, A lot of these games are tough games, two, three possession games. And even though they didn't win Saturday, um, you know, when they get to the point where they're playing games like that in March, and I think they will be, um, you hope that something like that, you know, something like what we saw Saturday serves them well. I know Jalen Graham didn't shoot from the free throw line well, but he had some other points in the game where he had nine rebounds, two steals, and two critical steals during the course of that game. Also had four assists, did have those four turnovers as well. thought Mikel Mitchell came in and gave you some good minutes. The, the odd thing about this team is, and I know they're still in flux with the injuries and stuff, is by this point, typically, Must has those seven, maybe eight guys that he just goes to, but he's still going up and down the bench and playing guys in significant minutes that you maybe didn't expect to play at this point. Well, I mean, you think about at the start of the year, even with Brazil and Smith, we talked about how well he's going to end up playing probably eight guys. You know, when the going gets tough, he's going to play around eight guys. Well, now you're down to six. You know, with those two guys. So if you're going to go eight or nine, you're, you you got to play guys maybe you didn't plan on playing. And I sort of think that's where they are. You know, Graham filled up the stat sheet, the good and the bad. Um, and, and sometimes with a guy like that, you got to take the bad with the good. You, but, you know, part of the reason that, you know, just to be honest, if you, if you had a full roster, I don't know that Graham's in there to shoot those four free throws. This guy's shooting 35%. I mean, it's not like it's the first time he's missed some free throws. And, um, you know, if if it was a situation where you got your full roster, he's giving you all the good things during the game. You probably don't have him in there. You you know, you probably don't have him in there then. So um, they've got some guys like that right now where you've got to take the bad with the good. And, again, if you had your full roster, that might not be the guy at that point. But because you don't have your full roster, it has to be. And with a foul-prone Jordan Walsh 
and with uh, Makai Mitchell in foul trouble in the game, you had to have someone to give you more fouls. I well, mean, yeah, and I, I mean, I, and that, I that's mean, where Walsh came comes in. He, you know, he had four fouls in the game, and you you probably needed those on some defensive stops at places. Well, I mean, you end the ball game. You got two guys fouled out, and you got yeah. two more guys with four. So, yeah. I mean, you know, and and again, you start doing the math. I mean, you're, you're and they're all big guys, by the way. Yeah, all four, all right. four of those players you're just talking about were, you know, guys that play on the front line. Hey, you know, he mentioned Mikel Mitchell, and I think that's probably worthy of a little bit more conversation. I, I will tell you, when he got hurt in that game, the initial fear was his foot was broken. That was the initial fear. And, um, you know, even after that, he's probably going to be out a couple of weeks. And, you know, he missed one game. And that's a tough kid. That's a kid that wants to play. That's a kid that may not be from here, but he's happy to put that uniform on. He's playing for his teammates. He's playing for the program. And sometimes we lose sight of that, uh, the effort that's required. Not everybody plays hurt, you know. Um, he did. And so I think you got to give him a lot of credit for and that. How, how much do those two brothers really try to outdo each other? Is there sibling rivalry? Or what? You're around them behind the scenes. What do you sense? You know, they're an interesting pair. They have, uh, um, you know, uh, Makai's a little bit different than Mikel. Mikel's probably, you know, they're, they're both pretty vocal. I mean, they're both pretty vocal guys. Um, but they both love playing, and neither one of them is afraid of contact or afraid of mixing it up or whatever you want to bring. I, I think Makai is a very skilled big man. Um, I, I've been impressed from day one at his ball skills and uh, for a guy that's that big, and Mikel's got a lot of ball skills too, but I, I, think, I think both those guys have been, um, you know, they've, they've turned out to be really key guys as we move down the stretch. I don't know that that was the initial plan, but I think that, you know, they are where they are, and they, you know, they're going to need both of them. Sorry, go ahead, Chuck. Well, I, I was, uh, uh, no, uh, whatever you're going to say, you go ahead and say it. You always look for soft hands in a big man, and Makai has those. I've yeah. been, like you said, thoroughly impressed when he's rolling the rim, these little short rim runs. He is, he rarely turns the ball over slash drops it i i think he's got ball skills Mm -hmm. hey let me talk to the businesses that are considering nil marketing i know everybody hears about this we talk about it all the time i know many of our listeners and business owners would love to take advantage of new nil opportunities and connect their brand to a university athlete there are a lot of college athletes out there we talk about the big ones but there are a lot of them out there if you're one of those businesses Let me recommend Fieldhouse Sports Marketing. They're your Northwest Arkansas NIL authority. They'll help you get started. They work with athletes to connect them with opportunities that maximize their own potential, benefit your business, benefit the Northwest Arkansas economy. Appearances, social media, commercial production, community engagement, charity events. There are all kinds of activities that they can connect you with. Call 202-5031. That's 202-5031. Or visit fhsportsmarketing.com. They'll get you started. That's fhsportsmarketing.com. Welcome to the Fieldhouse. Let's talk to Robert in Fort Smith. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, guys. I was impressed with Graham, though, because like I said, he wouldn't be playing that much if we, but we don't. And for what I felt like, for what we saw out of him, if we keep getting that out of him with us being, you know, down like we are, I think he's got the potential to help out a whole lot and get us somewhere. See what y'all think about that. Appreciate the call, Robert. Yeah, Jalen showed up with this season 
offensive outbursts. I think he had 16 against Alabama, if I remember that right. Uh, didn't actually score a ton against Baylor, but had a lot of other things he did well. Uh, I think he ended up with a pretty decent plus-minus. Tommy, you got the box score with you. Yeah. I think he ended up with a pretty decent plus-minus. Uh, he's seven. just got to be Jalen Graham plus seven. Yeah, he's just got to be more consistent on what he did Saturday. Needs to be more consistent. That's what Muss is wanting out of him. It seems like only one of two Razorback players with a plus mm-hmm. number in that column. Well, one of the things that I was encouraged by with Graham on Saturday was he got three offensive rebounds. Um, you know, I'm not minimizing a guy that goes out and gets nine rebounds, eight of them are defensive rebounds. I'm not minimizing the importance of that. But great rebounders get rebounds on both ends. You know, um, you know, one of the things that, that 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 Baylor's been really good at this year is getting offensive rebounds. They had 15 offensive rebounds in the ball game on Saturday. So. If you're going to be a great rebounder, and I look at a guy like Graham, and, and I you know, talked about the Mitchells a minute ago. Um, offensive rebounds are really important. They've done a real good job, I think, of keeping balls alive, batting balls out. We saw it on the dagger play that you know ended the ball game Saturday. They've done a real good job of being active and uh, you know keeping things alive, but you got to get some putbacks too. you got to get some offensive rebounds. you got to score off of them. How's this team respond against A&M tomorrow night? I mean, you, you lost what a game that a, a lot of those guys in that locker room feel like they could have won. A&M's coming in here playing really good bat, basketball out of, as of late. They get their best win of the season probably at Auburn. What kind of team do we see tomorrow night inside of Bud Warren well, Arena? I think that's a good question. If we obviously, see it. <laughs> obviously, we'll find out. Um, you know, every, every game's different. It's day-to-day. I mean, you know, you saw results over the weekend that you didn't think you'd see. So sometimes there's not a rhyme or reason to it, but I would expect Arkansas to come out and play well. Uh, again, I mean, you've got an opportunity to get back to 500 in yeah. conference play this week, and and that, from a psychological standpoint, I think gives you new life. Yeah. They'll play hard. I think that's the one thing you can depend on. Eric Musselman's team's going to play hard. You're going to get He's going to get the most out of the seven or eight guys that play. So, you know, the, the one thing I think is reliable, Chuck, is – they're going to give you a max effort. I know that just that sounds, you know, cursory or whatever, but this team has played ex- with, with a lot of effort, and I don't think they can go without note. Oh, they have, and they'll continue to. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any doubt about that. It's, it's, it's going to be, you know, I don't know that it's going to be what they would call aesthetically pleasing. You know, I mean, we're not going to see, you know, beautiful games in the 80s. I don't think it's going to be like that. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, – Again, I think this is a critical week. They got to guard them hard because they're going to get guarded. I didn't think Auburn played very good defense, frankly, against Texas A and M in the game I saw. A and M took advantage of it. Uh, they got a lot of guys who can do that. They've got some good, you know, they got some good players. They got good guards too. So I, I think it. Uh, hopefully, everything goes off and there's. You could also, you know, with Anthony Black's situation, you could make the case that. If the weather forces this game back a day, which moving it from Tuesday to Wednesday would still fit in kind of the SEC's scheduling window, if you will, may change the the TV assignment. Might be good if Anthony Black is kind of beat up and banged up, like Coach Must said, to give him another day to get his body right. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't uh, um, hadn't really thought of it from that perspective, but maybe so. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the body's battered this time of year. There's no doubt about it, and um, everybody's got to play through things. Everybody's you know, each team out there has got somebody dealing with something right now. 
This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.